Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 23 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And a sincere thank you to all of you who have been so supportive of this podcast. We are approaching a landmark number of 6,000 downloads of the Colon Cancer Podcast, and I really do appreciate it. And uh, I've received so much heartfelt and truly appreciated uh, the great feedback that you've provided me, whether it's been in person or through the Blue Hope Nation Facebook group. Some of you have messaged me directly through Facebook message and email. So that's what keeps this going, and I do appreciate it. And if you know someone that's not familiar with the podcast that you feel could benefit from hearing these inspiring stories from our survivors and caregivers, please uh, direct them to the website, thecoloncancerpodcast.com. We'd love to continue to do everything we can to expand our reach. A couple of things going on. I had the wonderful pleasure and great time of getting together and meeting uh, some uh, local uh, survivors and their family members at a little uh, casual get-together here in Tampa this past Saturday at the uh, famous Columbia restaurant. And it was great to uh, meet and get together and give hugs and uh, have a great meal and a special, uh, especially want to recognize uh, Wendy, who is a newly diagnosed patient, and hopefully she'll find our podcast and will get involved in our in our organization. It was great to see uh, Val and Charlie Awad, uh, two of my most favorite people in the colon cancer community. Uh, Sasha Meek was there. It was great to see her again, and she was the one that put this whole thing together. And then my dear, wonderful friend, Shan Lee, who I finally got to meet, who dragged her family all the way from Miami just to come to Tampa and have lunch. Shan, I love you. It was great to meet you. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, all of you and many others who I have not had the chance to meet at the Live Your Best Life 2015 Annual Colon Cancer Conference coming up in Phoenix uh, the end of October, October 29th, 30th, and 31st. And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to be there, see what I can learn, see who I can meet. So many people I've only had the chance to meet uh, online, and it's just going to be so wonderful to uh, give hugs and meet people in person. I will tell you, we will be doing podcasts from the conference. So uh, details to be worked out. But if you'd like to spend a few minutes with me and uh, share your story, we're going to have a table set up and we are going to be doing podcasts from the conference. So I'm really excited about that. And thank you so much to all of the folks from the Colon Cancer Alliance that are going to help make that possible. Also want to let you know of a couple of events coming up in the colon cancer community around the country and online. Uh, the next two stops in October for the wonderful Undy 5K Run and One Mile Walk. Uh, this coming Saturday, October 3rd, 2015, the Undy will be in the Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio. 
And uh, three weeks later, on Saturday, October 24th, the Undy will be visiting Atlanta, Georgia. Details for those events, how you can register, how you can sign up to volunteer, uh, join a group, uh, sponsor someone, make a donation. All those things can be found through the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Also, in prep, going back to the conference, I thought it would be a cool idea to make up a t-shirt that said the Colon Cancer Podcast with my logo on it so that people would see and recognize me. And uh, so I made a t-shirt and, and posted the picture online. And then all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with all these people saying, I want one, where can I get one? And that wasn't my intention. I just had one made for myself. So uh, since you asked, I said I figured it out and I said, well, let's make some available. So I work with the folks at teespring.com and they've put together both a short sleeve and long sleeve colon cancer podcast t-shirt. You can find it online at teespring, that's T-E-E. S-P-R-I-N-G, teespring.com forward slash the colon cancer podcast. So if you want to represent the podcast in either a long or short sleeve t-shirt, you can do that through that website. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that I got that response. It wasn't my intention. I just thought it would be cool to wear one myself. But since so many of you through the Facebook post said, where can I get one? Uh, we've made those available to you. So again, that's at teespring.com forward slash the colon cancer podcast. My guest this week is an absolute inspiration. She was such a joy to talk to. Her name is Sherry Graves Smith. Sherry uh, previously uh, worked in the legal department as an attorney with the Coca-Cola Corporation in Atlanta. And then she got the news that she uh, had colon cancer. And this was about eight years ago. And Sherry is still in the midst of her battle with this disease. She's still going through treatment and has been for many years. Nonetheless, she made the time to talk to me and share her story and what an inspiration uh, she is and her attitude and her outlook on life really gives you a pause, if you will, uh, because if someone in her position can have such a wonderful view of the world around us, despite all her challenges, uh, it's a real life lesson for all of us. So since she had to leave her position with Coca-Cola, she started volunteering by reading to school children. And that uh, segued into her becoming a author and writing some absolutely amazing children's books. And uh, she's been so successful that not, not only are her, are her books found on Amazon.com, but she also shared with me that a well-known department store, uh, mostly in the uh, southern part of the United States, Dillard's Department Store, will be carrying some of her books this holiday season in their stores. So that says a lot about uh, her talents as a writer as well. I'll let her tell the rest of the story. Join me now for my conversation with Sherry Graves Smith. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Lee. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on the show. So thank well, you so much for having me. I'm thrilled that you made the time with your oh-so-busy schedule, and we'll get to that in a little bit. 
But uh, as I was reading your bio, it just struck me because it's the same story I've seen so many times, including my own. Uh, if I understood correctly, you were originally diagnosed through a routine colonoscopy? That is correct. Um, at the time, I was 36 years old, and I was an attorney at the Coca-Cola company. I was up for a promotion to move to Vienna, Austria, where I would be um, in charge of the trademark division for the Eastern European office for Coke. And so I went to the doctor because I had been having some stomach issues, and I really thought that I was just nervous, that I had this nervous stomach about moving. And she recommended that I have a colonoscopy, and after that I was diagnosed with colorectal cancer and immediately began a year of treatments. So uh, over that course of the year of treatments, which included 30 days of radiation and chemo, two surgeries, and then another 12 treatments of chemotherapy, I really thought that it was all behind me. And uh, what ended up happening, I one of my caretakers, who was a lifelong friend, our relationship blossomed. And we got married at the end of that year. And I ended up finding out about a week after we returned from our honeymoon that it had metastasized to both of my lungs. And uh, it has now been close to eight years that I've been in treatment. So you've been in and out of treatment uh, for, for the entire eight years since the metastasis? I have been. The only time I've really taken a break has been for the holidays or uh, I took two weeks off right before I got married so I could have a little weight on me and try to look like a healthy bride. And uh, the other times have been things like where a chemotherapy treatment is not working and the my oncologist is giving the that treatment time to get out of my system in order to start another treatment. So I really don't know what it's like to say I've had a time where I've truly been off of any type of therapy during the past eight years. Goodness. You know, I know somebody else that was diagnosed with a metastasis a week after their wedding. Uh, you're speaking to him. Uh, well, you know, I've got to tell you, Lee, I thought I was the only person in the world that that could happen to. And I think you really know you can relate and you know how that feels. It it quickly establishes a lot of things about the vows that you just took. And I really thought that some of the things that my husband and I would tackle in our marriage would come way down the line. And uh, with a traumatic diagnosis coming so quickly after a wedding, it really makes the vows very real. So, um, you know, the adventure. I, I, I tease my wife. I said, sweetheart, when we said in sickness and health, I really didn't mean now. <laughs> I know. It's like, weren't we supposed to just 
have a little fun and still have this extended honeymoon. It it became very, I, I, you know, my husband knew that I had been going through the treatments, of course, but we really thought it was behind us. And in fact, I had gone and had the colonoscopy and that was clear. It was the subsequent PET scan that showed the metastasis. Wow. Kindred, Kindred spirits, spirits, I guess, you and I. Kindred huh? spirits. How long has it been for you, Lee? Uh, I was initially diagnosed in the spring of 2011. I was married December 1st, 2012. Wow. And um, got the actual, uh, it was time for my regular checkup a week after our honeymoon. And the doctor had some concerns and did a biopsy. And we got a phone call on New Year's Eve afternoon. I will never, that I will never forget. And you know the line, because you and I have been through this. If the nurse calls, it's (laughs) good news. And if it's the doctor on the phone, and it was the doctor. It's like, uh uh-oh. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So what impact did your diagnosis have on your career, Sherry? Well, I, being an attorney at the Coca-Cola company, was something that I had worked really hard to do. I had completed an assignment in Toronto as assistant division counsel. I had been up for this promotion. So after the first year of treatments, I got back to work as quickly as I could because I wanted to get things back on track again. And I was really on this pathway of becoming not only successful and more independent in my career, but wanting financial independence. So even after finding out about the metastasis, I went back to work and I actually would go to chemo, uh, infuse, get the pack that I would need to wear for 46 hours, and go back to the office and work until I started to not feel well. And after a while, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was way too much to try to balance. And it was physically taxing. But also with that type of job and so many responsibilities, it was emotionally and mentally draining. So I I left work really thinking, okay, I'm going to compete, complete my treatments, and then I'll get back to Coca-Cola again. And around my second year of treatments, I was diagnosed as having a chronic condition where the doctor said that the chemo could be kept at bay, but based on what medications and treatments were available, there was not a cure. So that really changed my career entirely because um the only thing I had ever done was either been a summer associate at a law firm or worked as a lawyer. And I, I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And the adventure began with really figuring out how life would be after cancer and figuring out how I was going to live life with battling the disease. I see. 
Now, but while you were working, you also, uh, for a while, found the time to also do volunteer work. Yes, that's correct. Well, to give you a bit of background about that, my parents really instilled in me and my siblings that to do service work, to be involved in community work. My mom said that she didn't want for my sense of giving to be stemmed strictly through our religious beliefs. Uh, things, Of course, we would do things with our church, but my mom and dad would find different things for us to do outside of that. So when I was a little girl, I would clean my closet out to give away clothing, or I, we would go visit the blind, and maybe I would help her put her shoes on or go to the nursing home. And what I found that I really enjoyed doing was reading. And I, if, in high school, I would start reading to um, children who were in the hospital. And after I got out of law school and started my career, I wanted to keep that sense of giving back going. And I would go to homeless shelters or go to schools in underserved communities and would tutor children in reading or I would read to children. And I really enjoyed that. So after my diagnosis and I had to leave Coke, my manager from there contacted me and he knew that this is something that I had done and asked me whether I would be interested in being a mystery reader for his children at their school. And I started coming once a month and it was something that as much as the children enjoyed it, I think I loved it even more. And it ended up inspiring me to start writing my own children's books. And it's it's interesting in doing service work how it ended up helping me to find my own career. Uh, there's another bit of service work that I started doing after I left Coke. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about one of the chemo regimens that I was on, I would go and infuse every Monday and then take chemo pills Tuesday through Friday. And I did that for about four years. And when one is on a routine like that, it's easy to get to know people and see what's going on in their lives. And one of my friends that I made at the cancer center, I noticed was coming in and getting boxes and leaving with these empty boxes. And I found out um, in talking to him that it was his fourth time in going through cancer. He had exhausted his uh, disability benefits from his job, and he had had to file for bankruptcy, and his home was being foreclosed upon. And that really bothered me. It was one of those things where it's so difficult to fight for your life every day and for so many things to happen 
that are just out of your control and to be so ill and then to go through the trauma of filing for bankruptcy and losing one's home. So I started doing some research to see what services were available to people who were in that type of situation. And I found out that the oncologist at the center where I received treatment, Atlanta Cancer Care, had formed a foundation for adults and their families in the metro Atlanta area who are facing financial challenges as a result of undergoing treatments. And I was really interested in raising money for that foundation. So the same manager who talked to me about reading for his children asked me what the legal department could do for me. And I said, well, uh, could you actually hold a small fundraiser where we could raise funds for the Atlanta Cancer Care Foundation? And I asked for a goal of $5,000. We ended up the first year making 180000 And two years later, it was $210,000. So I believe between uh, what I've done with reading to children and writing books and the foundation work, being of service is something that's truly enriched my life in the past eight years and has given it a lot of meaning and purpose. And it's been really fulfilling to try uh, or to know that I've, that my efforts have helped people. I think that's so admirable. And I'm truly uh, inspired and in awe that despite uh, the fact that you are continue to be in treatment, whether we're talking about a a week or two break here and there, you are in treatment, yet find the time and even more impressively, Sherry, the energy to make such a difference in the community. Uh, my hat's off to you. That's just fantastic. Tell me more uh, about uh, writing children's books. You didn't just arbitrarily start writing books, but you had a very interesting theme that you <laughs> pursued. Talk about that. Okay. Well, Okay, I'm a daddy's girl who's from the South, and uh, particularly I'm from the state of Alabama, and uh, their football... Oh, go ahead and say it. You know you want to say it. <laughs> I gotta say it. Roll Tide. <laughs> so I went to Alabama, and I sat with um, my dad on the sofa, and we watched all kinds of sports, but especially football. And it's something um, with my family where we put on our house tooth and our crimson and cream before games, and it's a wonderful tradition that we have. Well, a couple of years ago, an Alabama fan poisoned trees on Auburn's campus, and I was just mortified. I was so embarrassed. And I also felt that it set a terrible example for children because they learn from adults acceptable and unacceptable behavior. And I didn't want for them to think that it was okay to poison trees or to have that type of act of violence against a rival. 
So I decided that I would write a book that teaches manners and good sportsmanship in the context of a game day. So a, co a collegiate mascot takes a child on a game day on that mascot's campus, and throughout that day, lessons in rhyme are taught about being mannerable in a good sport. So I started out with Alabama and Auburn, and it eventually expanded to Georgia and Georgia Tech, and from there, I now have about 50 schools. And also being from Alabama, and I know that we start indoctrinating children at a pretty young age about what team to, to root for, that I started taking traditions from schools and making it rhyme to teach the alphabet and counting. And that has expanded from Alabama and Auburn. Now, uh, just in the past month, the University of Texas joined that series. So I've had quite a bit of fun with how I got started in writing children's books. And uh, the latest book in my series is called Is My Cup Empty? And Little Sherry, and that is actually me when I was a six-year-old little girl, teaches life lessons. And the first lesson I wanted for Little Sherry to teach was about being hopeful and optimistic. And so I really took it from what's going on in my life, in my cancer journey. In 2007, I had my health, a career. I had dreams not only of what I would do in my career, but what would happen within uh, my future as far as becoming a mother and uh, the things that I wanted to aspire to do. And all of those things changed for me. After being on treatment for years, all of my hopes and dreams that I originally had had changed. And also, my financial position had changed a lot. And so, I felt like my life was empty. And I wanted to write a book that discusses that things may seem empty in life, but how we choose to fill it is what makes the difference. And so, it's about filling your cup. And you can fill your cup with good things, or you can fill your heart with good things like love, or you can fill your life with good things by helping others. And so uh, the road that I'm going down with the series now is that I'm looking at lessons that if I were a mom, that I would want to instill in my children, or the things that I'm going through now, if a child may be going through a difficult time or someday in life may have some type of challenge to reach out to him or her to extend a lesson about looking on the opti uh, optimistic side of life and look at things with a hopeful attitude. But it, it's been a lot of fun to write. Being at chemo as much as I have been in the eight years that it's been going on, I've been somewhat of a captive audience. And I didn't want to just 
spend that time in my head worrying or feeling sorry for myself or being upset or uh, wasting what gifts that God has given me. And uh, it has been very fulfilling to take an idea and watch it grow. I can imagine. And I just, people in your shoes so many times just can't get past the bitterness and the anger of what's happened to them. And you don't look at it that way, do you? No. I, there are times when I am angry. There are times when I'm depressed. There are times when I am afraid. And some ways that I go about addressing that, I may talk to a friend. Um, I may uh, go to a counselor. I confide in my parent or talk to my husband, pray. There are lots of different things that I do, but... Life is such a gift, and I believe that to still be here, and for all that I've been through, that I'm, I'm here for a reason, and I would hate to waste the time that I have here on earth caught up in bitterness, caught up in anger, caught up in worry, because I'm not going to get a day back. I'm not going to get a minute back. So all I can do is do the best with what is before me right now. And whether it's taking a baby step or a leap, as long as I move forward, I feel like I'm making progress. And that's what I tend to focus on. It's we only have one life. And I have to do the best with that one life that I've been given. And I believe that if this has been allowed to happen in my life, then in my own spiritual walk with God, that I need to show my faith in Him. And I'm not going to say that it's easy. And I'm, I'm by no means perfect. But I really believe that life has so many beautiful things to offer, even in the midst of very, um, very hard challenges and struggles. We just have to look for it and open our hearts up to it. Sherry, I ask many of my guests this question, and that is, there may be someone that's listening to the Colon Cancer Podcast for the first time that they themselves or someone that they care deeply about has been recently diagnosed with colorectal cancer and is facing those initial fears and concerns. What would you say to those folks? I would say that first take a deep breath. Try not to get too far ahead and think about 
what's going to happen a year from now, five years from now, or ten years from now. In that moment, do the best that you can the situation that you're in. And don't think of this as being a, a death sentence. Life can be full. Life can be rich. And one can live a productive life even with this going on. One of the initial things that really helped me was reaching out to my insurance company and finding out what uh, what benefits I had, what resources I had. Find a support group. And I'm not saying that that necessarily means to join a support group. Um, a person's support group may be their immediate family. It may be a church group or people that they work with. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. That was one of the hardest things for me. I was so accustomed to being completely independent. This lawyer who would fly around everywhere and negotiating these deals. I had to learn that I could ask for help and still keep my dignity. But um, life isn't over. I, I have this thing for me where I look for grace every day. And what I mean by that is, let's say I am in pain and someone brings me my medicine and I'm no longer in pain. I don't focus on the fact that I was in pain. I focus on the fact that compassion was shown and I'm not in pain anymore. I think what I had to do was wrap my mind around the fact that I was in a fight for my life, but the way I looked at the fight was going to really be a direct, it was going to have a direct correlation to what my mindset was. And I would just tell people that it's going to be okay. It's just a matter of doing the best that you can with the situation that you're in and not hitting the panic button. Another thing that I really find is that if, if someone had told me eight years ago that I would still be undergoing treatments, I would have been completely overwhelmed. And I would have thought, there's no way I can do this. And I may have, may have said, I don't want to do this. Don't borrow problems that don't exist today. Just take it a day at a time. And in that day, try to live life to the fullest. That would be really my thoughts on it. Well, Sherry, as we wrap up, uh, I want to just, uh, just thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your deeply personal yet such, so in such an inspiring story uh, with our listeners. Uh, where can people learn more about you and where can people find your books? Well, thank you for asking, Lee. Um, my books are available on my website. Of course, you can go to my website to learn more about me. Uh, you can go to gamedayrules.com 
or sherrygravessmith.com. My books are also available on Amazon and on mascotbooks.com. And did I hear a rumor, too, that some of those books might be found at a big department store oh, for Christmas you know, in the South? It for for Southerners, if you go to Dillard's department store beginning November 1st, my game day rules will be there. Congratulations. That's fantastic. So I will include, I'll include links to both of those sites uh, on my website as part of the post for this podcast at the colon cancer podcast.com. Sherry, thank you again. Uh, I wish you first and foremost, uh, you know, um, the best health possible. Uh, you've touched and continue to touch so many people with your wonderful spirit and the way your outlook on life truly is an inspiration. So I just wish you all the best in the future. God bless you. And thanks so much for spending time with us this evening. Thank you, Lee. God bless you. And I wish you the best as well. And thank you for having this resource for, for survivors and their caretakers. It's a wonderful resource, and I so appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great evening. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.